Welcome to the CSIS podcast and part five of our No Matter Who Wins series. I'm Colin Quinn. We now turn to Asia and one of the brighter spots for US foreign policy in the last few years. We hear from Matt Goodman, the Simon Chair and a Senior Advisor for Asian Economics, and what the President is up against in the region. Well, I think there are a couple of immediate challenges that uh, he or she is going to have to focus on. One is the North Korea problem. Uh, North Korea has been uh, developing and testing uh, nuclear uh, weapons, and including the capability to deliver those, possibly ultimately uh, to the United States. And that's a, a real clear and present uh, danger in the region. Uh, and so I think the new president is going to have to find a, um, a way of dealing with that issue. And it's very difficult because uh, really there's no good answer. Uh, there's no good kinetic solution, as it were, to this problem. Obviously, that's very risky. Uh, on the other hand, the diplomatic uh, solutions have all been tried, and uh, it's very hard to see how you're going to make much progress unless, critically, you can get China on board. Uh, and China has different interests on this issue. Uh, so I think it's going to be very challenging. The other big security issue in the region is the South China Sea and, to some extent, the East China Sea, the maritime security issues. Uh, where uh, different countries have been um, claiming uh, rights uh, on the waters and under the waters uh, to resources and so forth, um, which uh, has created uh, real problems for the U.S. uh, um, strategic position in the region. And China is at the center of that, but there are other countries involved with that as well. So that's going to be a major early challenge uh, for the new uh, for the new president. I think there are a couple of longer term structural problems as well that, that pretty early on he or she is going to have to take, uh, take uh, care of, start taking care of. One is managing China. Uh, it's a, a large player in the region and, uh, and has influence on just about everything politically, militarily, uh, economically. And so uh, having a good long term strategy on China is going to be critical. And then the other uh, big challenge is how to get back into the trade game in the region. Trade is a huge um, impulse and, and reality in Asia. It's, it's, it's something that's pulling countries together. Everybody wants to integrate more deeply. But because both presidential candidates have taken a position strongly against the main uh, tool of, of US trade policy in Asia, that is the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for the new president to get back on track and have a proactive uh, trade policy, which is critical to our overall success in the region. Is TPP, from an American perspective, in its current form at least, considered kind of dead in the water? I still think it's possible uh, after the election during the lame duck session that uh, political forces could align to try to get this done quickly. Um, I think both sides have some incentive to do that. Um, and frankly, if we don't do it, we're going to be uh, have a, it's going to be a huge blow to our credibility in the region. And as I say, going to take some real creative and, uh, and uh, active work to, uh, to, to counter. Uh, bear in mind, it's, it's probably TPP is not going to die in the lame duck. Uh, I don't think it will be put up for a vote if the votes aren't there. So it will sort of linger. That's not good. But if there's a possibility of saving it in a new administration, even if it takes a year or two, that would be second best, but, but OK. Um, but the best by far would be to get it done in the lame duck. And I, I think there is a possibility. It's going to be difficult, but it's possible. Is there anything, when you look back at, say, the, the last two terms, the Obama administration, that the next president should be looking at and, and saying, right, I want to take this forward, I want to take this on? 
I think broad continuity would be the right approach. That is to say, uh, the Obama rebalance, in its essence, has been the right set of policies. That is a commitment to our alliances, a commitment to developing new partnerships like Vietnam and, and other um, countries in the region that are important to us economically and strategically, uh, engaging in uh, regional architecture that is building institutions in the region, whether it's APEC or the Economic Forum or uh, the Asian Regional Forum, the, the, the Security Forum and, and others like that, um, and um, finding a good balance uh, in our relationship with China uh, working on some of these pressing issues like North Korea and the maritime security issues, getting a trade policy in place that makes sense. Um, I think that the, the broad um, outlines of what uh, the Obama administration did, you know, which was very similar in essence to what previous administrations had done, is the right approach. And I think either, uh, either uh, party's new administration, I think, should be aiming to develop a, a set of strategies along those lines. China hasn't gotten any weaker uh, in the last eight years, and certainly is, you know, month on month, year on year, getting more forceful in the region. Look at the South China Sea, what's being done there. Um, a lot of structural initiatives like the the uh, development bank that they set up. What should the U.S. be doing to to approach China in these next these next couple of years as all these as all these tensions kind of rise to the top? Well, it's interesting. China is being more assertive under Xi Jinping and his administration, um, and there are a variety of reasons for that. Interestingly, um, they may not all be because of greater strength. I mean, that's true. They have a bigger economy, a bigger, a greater military cap capability, uh, more deeper economic relationships of dependent codependency. But on the other hand, China is going through some pretty difficult transitions internally, uh, especially economically, where they've sort of reached the limits of their old uh, heavy investment and export-led growth model, and they have to find a new one. Uh, and they've got problems of corruption and problems of environmental uh, damage. So China, some of this may be, um, this assertiveness may be coming from a position of weakness, not strength. So we have to be alert to that as well and the risks on that side. But I would say the overall approach of a new administration should be similar again to the one pursued by the last really eight administrations going back to Richard Nixon, which is to engage with China to try to pull them more deeply into the rules-based order, uh, to find areas of cooperation where we can, whether that's on climate change or on political or diplomatic or economic issues, um, and then to recognize that we are going to have areas of friction and competition, and we need to find a way to manage those without them getting out of control. And there are many of those issues, and in fact, I think we're in for a little bit of uh, additional tension, both on the security side and economically, where China is using a combination of you know, internal controls, and which is making it uncomfortable for American businesses in China, but also externally pushing its economic power out. So there's, there are a lot of uh, reasons for concern about heightened tension. And so the new administration is going to have to work very hard to manage that, uh, that uh, competition as well as seeking greater cooperation. One thing I've been asking our experts throughout the series is uh, what's, say, on your wish list? What, what's something that you, you want to see the, the administration take on in a specific way? Well, I think, again, largely is amplifying the good things that have been done and showing up is number one in Asia. You know, the president and his or her people at the right levels uh, need to be at every one of the key Asia-Pacific meetings. That's just absolutely critical and a starting point. And, you know, both President Obama and President Bush before him did pretty well on that score. The new president needs to double down on that and make sure that 
he or she's there and kind of there first before going anywhere else. I think the other thing for me personally, and here I'm reflecting my real focus on economic uh, issues, I admit, but I think it has broader ramifications, is I think we need to find a way to get get the initiative again on on trade and investment issues in the region because these are, as I say, critical to uh, Asian aspirations. And the U.S. is still seen as an important player with the largest market in the world and with capital and technology to offer the region. And by by rejecting the major, the sort of sharp end of the spear of the Obama uh, trade policy towards the region, that is TPP, I think the new president is going to be in a, a difficult position of having to get back the initiative there, and it's going to be very challenging. And, and your trade's been bashed, I guess, by both sides in this election, and Asian countries can't help but have seen that. How else, how else have they seen this election? Well, I think like the rest of the world, they're bewildered and appalled and uh, and concerned about uh, what's going on here um, and worried that this may uh, foretell uh, uh, withdrawal uh, from the region and uh, inability to execute on, on some of our strategies, and, as well as you know, specific concerns about the positions on TPP and so forth. But um, I think, I think there's, there's a great concern. But on the other hand, I think there's also a recognition in the region that the U.S. is a robust democracy and, and we do have these, uh, these debates every four years on some level. And I think there's um, a hope that uh, after things settle down post-election that uh, the U.S. interests in the region will come back to the fore and that will lead to a set of policies that is you know, pretty consistent with what we've been doing for really 70 years in the region, which is to uh, support uh, peace, stability, uh, prosperity. Um, and uh, integration of these uh, countries. And, and I think uh, I'm hopeful. I'm still sort of an eternal optimist. I think we'll get back on track uh, even if we get off track a little bit. Can I offer one other outside-the-box wish list idea, which is um, I think we should do more to encourage uh, exchange of people, uh, particularly potential leadership in both countries. I mean, it's a huge... Uh, soft power uh, asset of the United States that people want to come and study at our universities. They want to uh, come over on fellowship programs for shorter term stays. Um, you know, when Americans go and spend significant amounts of time in Asia, that can have a real influence in spreading our, as it were, soft power. And I think this aspect of our uh, power is uh, still underappreciated uh, here in Washington. Uh, the region really values this, uh, this exchange. And so I'd like to see us doubling or tripling uh, the amount of money, time, energy that we spend on getting uh, you know, people with leadership potential in the region over here in different fields uh, and, 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 and getting Americans over there. I think that, that would be a great investment by a new administration in uh, strengthening our position in the region. So she's even paying on a pig farm or something similar to that? I think that, you know, that makes an impact. Um, I, I do think that, you know, you talk to, you meet senior uh, officials or military uh, uh, officials in, in these countries who have spent a year or two uh, in the U.S. on one uh, program or even a couple of weeks on one of these uh, short-term visitor programs that the State Department runs. And there's real goodwill. I mean, I'd say, you know, 98 out of 100 of those people end up coming back feeling much better about the United States. Of course, they see our warts as well. And a couple of them, as I say, won't react so well. But I think the overwhelming number will come away with positive views. And that kind of um, capital 
is uh, something you want to bank and increase uh, your in, your investment in because it's um, it's just very very valuable. Not too many countries have this. I mean, we we have it in the United States, uh, and and and, a, and an attraction to people that if we if we show them what we're about, you know, among other things, it can help them understand when we have a somewhat bewildering uh, presidential debate such as the one we're having this year. They can understand. Yeah, you know, there there are aspects of America that are problematic, but if you go around and talk to ordinary people, they're, you know, they're dealing with the kinds of problems that, you know, people around the world deal with. So I I really believe this people to people